0: From Ramsey Network, I'm George Camel and this is a message of hope. A daily conversation to help you navigate the current events affecting your life, money and career. Humanity is juggling a lot at once right now and it's creating a mental health epidemic. Apparently being isolated for an extended period of time during a pandemic can do that sort of thing. So what do we do when we find ourselves succumbing to the fear, anxiety and loneliness? Ramsey personality, Dr. John Deloney, has an answer.
1: About a decade ago, I found myself completely unhinged. At the time, I had just finished my first PhD in education... I was a senior student affairs leader at a rapidly changing university. I was over hundreds of full-time, part-time, and student employees. I was responsible for millions of dollars, a dozen buildings, a new kid, a marriage that was fumbling around in the darkness, and the world was stumbling around after having been flattened by the punch of a mortgage-backed securities housing collapse. I was on call... 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I was often in hospitals with students and their families. I was dealing with death and trauma and assaults and drug and alcohol events, and otherwise I was spun out and exhausted. What a mess. I will never forget the night I found myself sitting in some bushes in my backyard, in the rain, holding a flashlight at like two or three in the morning. I'd convinced myself that the foundation of my house was cracking into pieces and that my house was about to slide off into the street spoiler alert it wasn't and on this particular night i thought the rain might be getting into the house to do further damage i remember a sudden like startling moment of clarity when i started laughing and i thought to myself well you've officially crossed over man you are nuts and it was this recognition that everyone around me might not be the problem but that it might be me a few months later, my wife and I sold the house, and a few months after that, I ended up gathering up the courage to get my little Corolla and drive to another town to meet with my friend who is a physician, thus starting my long road back to getting well. I think back on that one particular night, sitting in the mud and the rain, looking for imaginary demons to blame for my anxiety and confusion, and I'm far enough away from it now that I can see it for the blessing that it was. That night led me to be honest with myself about feelings I was avoiding to begin being honest with those around me who could tell I wasn't doing well, and to begin being proactive and to take action. And as I've read stories from all over the world, listening to the emerging frustration and concerns stemming from the pandemic, and I've heard from a number of you directly, a common set of questions emerges centering around one main theme. How do I know if I'm beginning to succumb to the irrationality of fear and anxiety, and how do I know if I'm not doing well? I am way oversimplifying things here, but I want to point out two main challenges that have emerged in our most recent history and then point us back to how we can be reflective during this pandemic. And what do we do next? Challenge number one. Our anxiety and fear systems are designed to sound the alarm for both big oncoming giant threats like, ah, a tiger, or ah, the neighboring cities attacking us, or... It's designed to make sure we are keeping our ever-shifting places in the multiple social hierarchies that we often find ourselves in. And over the past 30 or 40 years, we've started asking our anxiety, fear, recognition systems to do things it was never intended to do. We feed it garbage. We never let it rest. We created smart news echo chambers that simply reinforce the same information that it already believed before it turned on the news in the first place. And we've begun isolating ourselves in ways we have never done so in the history of the world. And most of us don't have tigers chasing us anymore, but we do have Bill over in accounting still complaining about the cover sheet on the TPS reports, and the oil needs changing in my wife's car, but Timmy needs to go from baseball practice to ballet practice. Ah, uh, Was that Susan? And I've got some stupid work dinner that I have to be at, but of course my wife didn't take my shirts to the dry cleaners because she was busy crafting. And by crafting, I mean that she also works 50 hours a week and makes more money than me, but my job is what's important. And good God, we have a lot of debt, and, and, and. My old truck can go pretty fast in little spurts when it needs to, but if I redline it too long and I put Kool-Aid, craft beer, and Red Bull in the gas tank and never change the oil, sooner rather than later, it's going to catch on fire. We've simply burned out our anxiety and fear systems. Our alarms are broken. And number two, after my time in the mud, like the true nerd I am, I became non-pathologically obsessed with figuring out what had happened to me. My family and I took a giant household income cut, moved to a new town, and I took a new job at a new university. I got a second PhD in counseling, and I traveled the country from Harvard to tiny little Jesus schools, to big groups, to small groups, to individuals in crisis, trying to figure out what had happened. And here's what I found. Beneath our messed up biochemistry and psychology and Enneagram numbers and workout plans and diets and poor sleep and all of the things... I stumbled onto the chief enemy of our time. You, me, we are so, so lonely. The chief enemy of our time is loneliness. Our spouses don't really know us. Our friends don't really know us. Our pretend internet communities certainly don't know us. We don't really know us. And we are totally alone. And in the absence of data, we make up stories, right? When we're lonely, we make up stories as to why we are hurting. We've lied to ourselves and each other about busy and more and excitement and energy and I'm right and you're wrong and now we define our communities by who we hate together and I need more data and you need more clicks and more headlines and I can do it all and I can have it all and we have a thousand friends on the computer and no one to help us move our couch. And research says the physiological toll of loneliness, the actual biochemical poison that our brain creates when it recognizes that it is lonely can be worse than smoking cigarettes. These lonely knives are not just making us uncomfortable, they are killing us. In late November, before the pandemic, the Journal of the American Medical Association released its findings that for the third straight year, the life expectancy of our country has collectively gone down. A major reason for the decline of life expectancy has been from drug overdoses, suicides, and organ system diseases like alcoholism and heart attacks. The decrease is due almost entirely to diseases of despair. We're killing ourselves. We're just taking our sweet time doing it. And this was before the pandemic. So here we are. We are lonely, anxious, and spun out. And then the world said, Stop. Millions of us have lost our jobs. Our marriages are in a mess. We haven't been on a date in weeks, and we are lonelier and more isolated than ever. So, how do I know when I'm succumbing to the fear and anxiety and loneliness? Here's a few tips to know. Number one. When you feel yourself dividing up the world into us's and them's. When we get stressed, we scan the environment for who's on our team and who's not on our team. And our brains do this in milliseconds, often in our subconscious, before we even know. But when we divide the world up in us's and them's, we know that we do what we do because we are ethical and smart and good. Which means that them's do what they do because they are dumb, evil, and mean. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that this doesn't end well for any of us. So when you find yourself saying things like they and we, pause and take a breath. Number two, you know you're succumbing to the fear and the anxiety and the loneliness when you start to understand that everyone around you is crazy. They're the crazy ones, not you. They're the ones struggling, not you. Everyone in your life looks crazy, sounds crazy, acts crazy. The first place you should go is to the mirror and say, could it be me? And number three, when you hear yourself saying the phrase, if they would just, whatever. If they would just, the world is simply too complex, too messy, and none of us are virologists. None of us are macroeconomists. None of us know how this plays out. So every single one of us who are putting out guesses, who are saying, if they would just do this, and if he would just say that, and if she would just buy this, all this would be fixed. You're wrong. You're making it up. In some situations, you're lying. There is no single solution to this challenge, and we are all going to have to work together, be graceful, and be kind moving forward. Unfortunately, we are all making this up as we go. So what do we do? What do you do when you realize you're succumbing to the anxiety and fear and loneliness? Here's my challenge. Number one, I'm challenging you to a seven-day screen-free week. Get off the screens. Get off the screens. Turn your phone off. Turn your TV off. And that means you're going to have to read a book. That means you're going to have to call a friend. Talk to your mom. Write letters, but find ways to connect. And number two, turn off the screens and go outside. Our bodies were designed for weather. Our bodies were designed for heat and for cold and for nature and birds and grass. Go outside and turn off the screens. Turn off the noise. That means you're going to have to go outside and wave to your neighbor or go for a walk. And what you will find is people on your street, some are wearing masks and some aren't. Some are smiling, some are scared, but you'll realize there's no us and thems, there's us. And we're all working through our own demons together. And the only way we get to the other side of this is together. It's just us's. Like Bill and Ted once said, just good us's. This is Dr. John Deloney, and this is a message of hope.
0: For more from John, follow him on Instagram, at John Deloney, and join him in his 30 Days of Wellness Challenge. If you've enjoyed this Message of Hope series, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow the show on Spotify, or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Until next time, I'm George Camel, and remember, hope is greater than fear.